The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Spooky morning to you, Christopher. Spooky morning. Okay. Spooky morning it is. Good morning, Mike. We are two days away from Halloween, which means, Uh, as anyone in New England knows, it's about five days before it's safe to actually travel back into Salem. Yeah, it's also five days before we actually still know nothing about who is where in the NHL and who's for real and who's just getting by on smoke and mirrors. Uh, Although, if you ask Jim Montgomery, the Bruins are doing it with smoke and mirrors. So, I don't think he would be wrong in that because I, as much as I fully expect the team to take a step back, a significant step back from last year's numbers, I don't feel that most of their forwards have played their best hockey yet. And Jim Montgomery would certainly agree with you. But then again, if you watch the Bruins regularly, I think we all should be saying the same thing. Which is somewhat frightening, given that the team is 6-1. 6-0-1. 6-0-1, yeah. Um, no, 7-0-1. You're right. 7-0-1. It took me a minute. Because I don't think Coyle has played his best hockey. It's really, really doubtful that Patois has played his best hockey in the NHL yet, or even of the season yet. Um, As much as I love Brad Marchand, I don't think he's at midseason form. Has he scored a goal yet? He has. uh, He has. But his goal, I think he's got like two or three goals and... They have probably been the quietest goals of his career. Do you have Do you have one thing that surprised you so far? Just in the NHL, and, and it's just a random question. I'm not leading toward a story or anything. Like that. I'm just asking because I actually have one thing that surprised my one surprise for the first eight or ten. You know, however many games most of them have played eight. Brad Marchand actually has four goals. Oh, there we go. Okay. In eight games. I don't recall him. I don't recall seeing him score is the problem. I know. It's like, as I said, they've been the quietest goals of his career. Um, I mean, on the Bruins, there's a couple of things that have surprised me, and I'm still viewing with extreme caution, and that's James Van Riemsdyk being as effective as he had as he was through at least the first six games. Can I prime um, with a Shattenkirk reference? <laughs> Shattenkirk, nah, I... He hasn't been better than expected. I'm not saying he's good. I'm not saying okay. he should be... No, he's better than be- expected by who? Because uh, in general, obviously the Bruins pro scouts expected him to be better than I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, you and me both, Okay. Um, I love the fact that Jesper Steen or Oscar Steen got called up and got to play a game. I mean, he was a plus one uh, without any points, and I'll take that as a positive in a in a sort of lumpy game. Um, in terms of the NHL overall, I think you have to look at who's leading the scoring and talk about that and talk about the fact that it's not being talked about. 
Um, I, like I said, I wasn't trying to lead to a story. It's just that there's one thing that stands out to me, and I'm uh, a little surprised by it. And it was I said it was isol. It was made more glaring by the fact that he got a hat trick last night. Um, no, go ahead. Our good friend never met a shot he didn't like. Frank Vetrano has eight goals in eight games. Okay, that's obscene. <laughs> he's only got one assist for a total of nine well, points. But he's that a one sounds point. like a Frank Vetrano we know and question the. But he's a one. He's a one point one three. He's, he's one point one three points per game. And not only is it surprising that he's got eight goals in eight games, the fact that he has managed to score one of those goals to score. And wait a minute, I'm looking at the number here. I want to make sure I get this right. He has scored two goals on the power play, but he scored one shorthanded. The man has three shorthanded points out of his, I mean, three specialty points out of his nine points. Two power play goals. Am I reading this right? Yeah. Frank Ricciardo is tied for second in the league in goal scoring right now with David Pasternak, Travis Konechny, and himself. That puts him ahead of everyone who is not named Alex DeBrinkett. His shooting percentage is 27.6. Perfectly, that is a perfectly sustainable number. Um, For who? (laughs) I mean, just as, you know, the resurgence of Jonathan Quick is patently unpredictable, one might even venture uh, to, to apply the word absurd to his first three games of the season, he's got two wins, including a shutout, a 0.41 goals against average, and a 9.82 save percentage. His goals against average is more than two goals below his career number. His save percentage is uh, 0.71 higher than his career number. Quick is one of the more entertaining guys. He's always been he's always been exciting to watch because he's there were goaltenders like Henrik Lundqvist who were pure position goalies who occasionally scrambled. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you have a meter that where a hundred percent at one end is position and a hundred percent at the other is scramble. Jonathan Quick, like like Tim Thomas, like Hashik, is well past the 50% point, uh, leading towards the scramble end. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... You know, and, 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 and yes, that is surprising, but I'll still take Vetrano over, over Quick. I just... That's he's fair. A, He's our buddy. He played here. We loved him when he was here. He was fun to watch. But he's got eight goals in eight games, and he's it's ridiculous. I mean, he had his shutout against Edmonton. Mm-hmm. He beat Seattle. Um, okay. And he came relief, uh, I guess, against uh, Nashville. 
Um, so he's won both of the games he's actually started. Uh, I'm not engraving his name on the uh, Stanley Cup or the uh, or on the um, cons- wow on the Vesna Trophy this year, but man, that's going to be a fun story if he gets back. If he plays above his career numbers, or even at his career numbers, you know. Then, then number one being Shesterkin, if he gets into somewhere between 25 and 30 games and he can maintain a, a 2.2 goals against or a 2.3 goals against, then I will say, wow, because he's – yeah, I'm, I'm just – He's going to be 38 I, in three months. I'm worried that there's going to be a cliff coming soon. Uh, Jonathan Quick I, is going to be 38 on January 21st. Okay. Uh, come to think of it, that's the same birthday as my brother. Um, they were not born in the same year. Um, but I think we can safely assume that it's the ability to move back to Milford, Connecticut – um, or closer to Milford, Connecticut, that has led to the resurgence in his career. And it has nothing to do with playing behind that murderer's row of defense. Oh, gee, yeah. Hmm. Adam, let's see, Adam Fox, um, hmm. <laughs> Ryan Lindgren, Keandre Miller, Jacob Truba. Yeah, that, I could see how that would have absolutely no effect on it. There is zero possibility that Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren and Keandre Miller and Jacob Truber uh, and the rest of the guys have any impact on Jonathan Quick's ability to stop the puck. None. But if goals against average is a team stat, then? Uh, it's a team stat, but is it really? You're the one who told me that, so you can either back yourself up or just completely give up on the fact that you were I mean, if you're looking at the two goaltenders mm-hmm. and you're going to point at the team stat and say what the impact is, you look at Igor Shosturkin, he's played six games, has four wins, 2.7 goals against average, and a 900 save percentage. Wow. Two guys are playing behind the same goaltender, uh, same defense. There's a 10-year age difference between the two. Um, is this just I, is this I, Igor Shosturkin just having a slow start is this Igor Shosturkin not liking a theoretical having a theoretical challenger <laughs> I mean is he a challenger though short term yes long term no of course not no one is going to sign a 38-year-old goaltender to a multi-year contract um, and expect them to carry the load indefinitely, um, or even for like a three-year stint. It's just not sane. Um, that said, we've seen Cinderella runs before. The question is, uh, when does midnight get here for Jonathan Quick? No, that's the that's the cliff I was talking about. And, and and getting back to Frankie here real quick, 
I'm wondering if the Bruins didn't read him wrong because with the Bruins, he averaged mm, probably about 12 minutes a night. He's not only has he been above that his entire time with other teams, Panthers, Rangers, and now the Ducks, he's playing the most time on ice per game of his career at 29. He's averaging two more than two minutes plus per game this season and he's a hair under 19 minutes a game um, you have to go back and look <laughs> at the thickets of young players who were here when he was here what is yes but what is about what is it about frankie v that i mean has he re don't forget how outspoken he was about the various coaches when he was here and when he left here yeah, his last his his last season he well his last season here he was traded in season uh, from the Bruins to the Panthers uh, that's seventeen eighteen and Correct. he was averaging like nine and a half minutes a night with the Bruins the Panthers got him they had him up to thirteen so but, don't forget that Danton Heinen I think that was his first season Jake DeBrusque DeBrusque was here um, that was his first that was his rookie season. Vitrano's um, rookie season was fifteen sixteen. That would have been yeah, Jake as well. And um, Danton Heinen's rookie yeah. season was sixteen. Well, he came in and played eight games in the sixteen seventeen season. But in the seventeen eighteen season, uh, Heinen had sixteen goals for Boston. Um, he also had Riley Nash, uh, David Backus, um, Ryan Spooner was still on the team. <laughs> um, Sean Corrali was still on the team. Anders Bjork, they were still hoping for. Um, was our buddy Claude still? Uh, our buddy Claude was still the head coach. No, this was still the Cassidy error. When did um, Claude? No, oh, when did, don't forget. I thought Claude forget. was. No, 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 no. Don't forget that in addition to Anders Bjork, Nolachari, Ryan Donato, Brian Gianta being on the team that year. This was the Rick Nash season. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. This was the, there was lots of misreading of talent going on this year. Um, well, Jordan Schwartz, Austin Zarnick, um, Pidovin, Kenny Agostino managed to play in the NHL that year somehow. Yeah. Um, Colby Cave, Rob O'Gara. Oh, and your favorite uh, of that era, Matt Bolesky. <laughs> Matt Bolesky. Yeah, he's my favorite, all right. But anyway, apparently the Ducks agree with him because played 81 games last year, career high in points, 41, besting his year his 18-19 season with the Panthers by two. Um, this year, again, eight games, nine points. He's also a plus seven. <laughs> Speaking of that error uh, um, and coaches, I think there's a name. Well, there's a name we can now safely add to the future uh, NHL coaches carousel. Oh. Uh, Do tell. Four years at Yale. Um Spent some time with the New York Rangers, the San Antonio Rampage, Springfield Thunderbirds, Hershey Bears. Mm -hmm. um, 
six foot four out of Massapequa, New York. Now two years behind the be- uh, two seasons behind the bench as an assistant coach for Yale. Former one hundred and fifty first uh, the 151st pick of the 2011 NHL entry draft. The one, the only Rob O'Gara. Rob O'Gara. I remember watching him at development camp and and thinking, wow. I'm not surprised that he's back at Yale. He played his he played his he played his four seasons there and captained the team. He, he, impressive young his, man. I I don't know where it went wrong with him. I think it was partly the deal that sent him to the Rangers. Well, yes, I think he stayed a year too long at Yale. Personally, I think if he had come into the NHL the year before or gone pro the year before, he might have been better off. Um, because the, like some of the, uh, there were just so many young players on the team in his first season that, and that was also the transition year from Julian to Cassidy. Mm -hmm. I mean, Julian went out with a winning record and was still fired. (laughs) Somebody explained that one to me. Okay. And, you know, Cassidy, I mean, Cassidy certainly had a a very solid record that year, but coaching changes are not good or can be very disruptive for young players. Um, And you look at some of the guys who were on the team that year who were, quite frankly, stiffs. Um, Drew Stafford wasn't good. You had Matt Bolesky wasn't good. Um, I kind of want. Uh, oh, don't don't forget that they played Joe Morrow seventeen games that year. Um, Grizzlick was just coming into the league that year. Um, Grizzlick get has, while still not an offensive stud, is a little bit more gifted than Ogara was. Plus, he had that connection with McAvoy, uh, which was part of the future planning. But you still had both McQuaid and Miller. At the start of that season, um, Brandon Carlo was still in his first or second year and playing well right up until playoff time when I believe he got injured three years in a row. Um, I get it. Oh, Tory Krug still was still here and was only 25 that year. I, he's I I understand I val I understand and value the education particularly if you're lucky enough to get into a prestigious university. I, I also wonder if it had something to do with trying to win a championship. That could be it too. I mean, uh, he, they, they did win it. They did win it when he was, I believe a freshman 2013. So I don't know, maybe he didn't play enough, wanted to win another one as captain. I, I don't know. For certain, getting an education at Yale, especially if it's free. Uh, he is just just looking up things real quick on the Yale website. He's the most decorated defenseman in the history of Yale hockey. Uh, two-time All-American, two-time ECAC Hockey Defensive Defenseman of the Year. Went on to play six pro seasons, obviously Bruins, Rangers. 
two-time first uh, all Ivy League and all New England selection, finished 13th in Yale, 13th at Yale in career points for a defenseman with 51. The only player in Yale history to be three-time recipient of the school's John Poignier Award for the best defenseman. Oh, and don't forget the amazing so, Colin Miller. Oh yes, was, Colin Miller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, interestingly <laughs> enough, was also drafted at one fifty-one. Um, <laughs> Not by the Bruins, though. No, he was drafted the previous or the the following by, year in two thousand twelve. Kings won by the Kings. Because we acquired him in the Lucic deal. Yeah, I think the. Or, I think it's was, safe to say that the Kings won that deal. Yeah, I missed. I missed his. I. 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 I sadly. I sadly missed that. I don't know if he made any kind of major announcement about it or what. Because it. It says he. He retired following the 2021 season. I. I mean. I don't know if it was. Ooh. Rob O'Gara. I don't know oh. if it's something that he announced or or just kind of. I never saw it, unfortunately, either. Right. But for him to turn around and now he's an assistant coach, I mean, okay, he doesn't have the NHL resume that one would think of, but you look at what he's managed to do at Yale and between national championships and awards won there and what he's been able to do there and his youth as it is. I mean, he, he played six years in the NHL. He's, he's only 30. I was going to say he's what early thirties, so he's he's out there coaching kids that you know he was just there himself a few years ago. Yeah, he's like five or six years older than the oldest ones there. So the the knowledge that he's going to be able to impart, I mean, are we on head coach watch here? Is this something where he's going to be taken over in the next five years or something? I, that's that's a, that's an interesting story for later in the season um, and totally off topic for everything that we had planned for this day for the day. No, but it was um, a nice little it was a nice little um, feed in. Um, looking at our storyboard for the day, where where do we want to wander into next? <laughs> I so wanna I, I, I so wanna hit on 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 the Pride Tape Part Two, but just because it's ridiculous to me that but. it is ridiculous. And I there's a video clip um, that's uh, of of Travis uh, speaking. Uh, I'm, yeah, Travis Dermott speaking. Travis Dermott, yeah. And one of the things that I missed literally the first three times that I watched the video, even though it's very short, is he mentions in the video that he is really close with someone who's still in the closet. Yeah, that's why he that's why he chose to. he, He said before that he has friends in the community and. Going by my friends and the people that I know who are both in and out, most of the people who are in the closet still don't necessarily consider themselves part of the community or want to be labeled part of the community. Um, 
for he's not, very, he's not listing names, so he's being he's, he's trying to be as generic about it without. Oh yes, getting, he's protecting his friend, uh, whoever they may be, or yes. might even be a family member. But let's assume it's a friend for a couple of minutes. Do we think that friend is actually in the NHL? It's a possibility. Because if he's willing, if he's, I mean, he's a very good friend anyway, not throwing this person out under the bus or, or in front of the limelight. But it also does bring about the, the question that it could be somebody who is in the NHL community. Let's take a look at him. I mean, Travis Dermott was drafted. He's only 26 years old. Yep. He'll be 20. He'll actually be 27 uh, on December 22nd. So happy early birthday. Um, he's at that age. He's at an age where it would not be surprising for his friends, particularly friends who are reasonably wealthy to not yet be married or not yet be settled down. Um, he's played for, he played for Toronto for five seasons um, in the NHL and for two seasons in the AHL, the Erie Otters are right in that area as well. He was up in Vancouver for those two interesting years. Um, is he, uh, I mean, is, is it one of those guys he played with? Reading the Arizona sports article that I found on this. Yep. It doesn't sound that way. It says Dermot decided to wrap his stick with pride tape, a decision he made due to a close relationship with a member of the LGBTQ plus community. I, due to overwhelming support of Dermot following his silent statement, NHL reverse course. Uh, and his quote is, I think we're still really lagging behind in the hockey community and showing our support for this community. Actually, you know what? Maybe it is. Dermot told reporters before the Coyotes on Friday hosted the L.A. Kings for Pride Night. Seeing our voice taken a little bit, it kind of hurt me. And with the people close to me and giving me the confidence to take that first step, I felt comfortable enough doing it. That's why I took it as it wasn't somebody in the NHL community. Mm-hmm. But if... But if you look at it from another angle, it could be that that whoever that person is said that it was okay for him to do what he wanted to do. I, it's possible. I I don't want to. I don't know. I, I, it's, I mean, it's possible. Every other sport of the big three, a uh, big four in in the, in the U.S. We've heard of former players who have finally who have come out after years of hiding it. There's one or two players in other sports, even football, which has had the worst reputation in terms of progressive behavior. Um, who have come out before they were drafted and still managed to make it into camps and into um and be talked about in the league. Still radio silence. Yes. 
and and my so favorite silence in the hockey world. I don't know if this. I don't know if this is. It's not my favorite part, but it's the part that really grabs me the most, because after we talked about it on Sunday, and wow, how I'd love to take credit for it, but we can't. Well, you know, we can. It's just. <laughs> I mean, for us to sit there and tell the and say the things we said, and then to have them turn around two days later and say, you know what, we're gonna we're, we're not gonna punish them. We're we're and they didn't make it a public announcement. The NHL public relations tweeted out, X'd out, whatever you want to call the network, the the bird network now. NHL statement on symbolic tape in support of social causes. And here is their official statement. After consultation with the NHL Players Association and the NHL Player Inclusion Coalition, players will now have the option to voluntarily represent social causes with their stick tape throughout the season. Now, the pause at the end is because that's all they said. That's it. That was their statement. Yes. They never actually admit to being uh, (laughs) wrong. To being wrong and having taken a very noticeable position that was wrong. They aren't admitting that they're not going to do anything to someone who basically uh, saluted them with both fingers. Um... One on each hand. Ferentz, it was a wardrobe misfunction or a uniform malfunction. Um, Yes. I don't think I don't think Dermot's was a malfunction. You're not you're not going to buy it was a tape malfunction. No, no. He washed his stick and it came out rainbow color. He admits that he admits to putting the tape on his stick. So I guess it would, I guess it would have to be it would have to be a voluntary. It can't be a malfunction. It was a voluntary. Mm, yeah. And to tie this all up in a little bow, there's another story that I found very quickly that I didn't bother to put in the link because it, that's not really a story. But apparently on the Friday night that Arizona hosted their Pride Night, Travis Dermott didn't play because he was sick. The rest of the team, to a man. Did absolutely nothing. No pride tape on anybody's sticks. So I'm I, I don't want to make it a story, but it just sounds like there's absolutely no support for what Travis did on his own team. But that, they could also be protecting themselves from any kind of recrimination. I don't know. I I think it's as much protecting themselves, um, unless, of course, he's just full of it. Uh, in the video that I saw tweeted out by him, he states that he's got support. Um, I don't think he's full of it. I think I, I, I hate to say it, but I think that a little bit of cowardice. Because, I mean, the the, the video comes straight off of the Coyotes uh, the Coyotes Twitter account. Um, and I, I just think it's absolutely fascinating to watch the video. Um, and the fact that it's being tweeted by it's going out via the team's official yeah. site. Um, sure. It's a live video, but they could have taken, I mean, it's a video in a press conference. They could have, no, they could still have not, shared it if they wanted to 
That's very true. Um, so there's at least non-interference from the organization, which is, I suppose, positive. Um, not so positive is uh, the balance in Shane Pinto's uh, game checks uh, coming for the next uh, 40-odd games. The balance of his checks? Uh, yes. Um, Actually, he won't be making any checks or shots or <laughs> shifts or blocks uh, for 41 games because Travis Dermott has been suspended Travis by Dermott. the league for not betting on hockey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Travis Dermott wasn't suspended. I'm sorry, not Travis Dermott. Shane Pinto has been suspended by the league for not betting on hockey. For not betting on hockey. That's correct. Uh, the Ottawa Senator has uh, violated a rule prohibiting grown adults from spending their money on things that do not involve a conflict of interest and are not generally illegal. So gambling, which, by the way, is legal and and, and, and is even promoted mo- on the NHL broadcasts and websites. Yep. Oh, yes. Fin, fin, I believe they. I believe there's a, a at least one official partner. Yeah, DraftKings. I believe DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, MGM. There's like eight ads you see during games. Uh huh. So Shane Pinto, who is an adult, he is over 21 years of age. Yep. Is deciding to spend his hard-earned money that he hard-earns playing. In the sport of hockey, ice hockey, risking NHL, his health, yep, risking his health and and earning a earning a living, he decided to take some of that money in gamble because we all do it in some form or fashion, or most of us do. Some people swear it off, you know, and th- that's their own choice. But he chose to do a little gambling, and he wasn't gambling on the sport in which he plays. But so no conflict of interest, no no point uh, shaving, no parlay melting nonsense. Uh, just and the NHL on other sports. And the NHL has brought it upon themselves to play um, his conscience, uh, the role of his conscience, or. The role of you could call it that. You could call it um, NHL. They could call them inquisitors, or uh, I don't. I don't get this. Like this suspend is, him for half the season because he's gambling on something that isn't related to the sport he is currently playing in. And the league said there was no evidence that Shane Pinto bet on. NHL games. So if you investigated him and found him not to be betting on the league, what in the world is the actual problem? This is one of those dumb rules that's there because someone thought it was a good idea. I want... The quote is, I want to apologize to the National Hockey League, the Ottawa Senators, my teammates, the fans, the city of Ottawa, and most importantly, my family. I take full responsibility for my actions and look forward to getting back on the ice with my team. End of quote. Why should he be embarrassed to 
that he did something that is acceptable mm-hmm. for anybody of legal age to gamble. I, I don't it was this 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 has got to be a forced statement. There's no way he comes out and does this on his own. Come on now. Seriously. I, I would be. Um, no, this I is, think this is a statement to protect or to make it go away. I don't know that he feels I don't know that he feels that he shouldn't have done it. I don't know that he feels that he should have, shouldn't have been caught. Um, but this feels like a statement of please make this go away, whether he believes it or not. Um, well, hear me out. Hear me out. Is this a play by the Ottawa Senators to somehow affect his valuation because he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season? If he only plays half the games – which means he's not going to have the performance statistics, a.k.a. the numbers, goals, assists, points, whatever, that he could turn around and say, I deserve X million dollars per year when they say, well, you got suspended. You only played 41 game now and your numbers took a hit. Well, of course they took a hit. He played half the friggin season and you made him apologize for something that any other normal human being who's of legal age can do without any repercussions. You know, I I don't know. I don't think so. The way that there's the way that the statement on the senator's website is written, they became aware of it, which means that they didn't instigate it, or they're stating that they didn't instigate it. Um, and making a statement is not necessarily make the same as making a truthful statement. Um, but for the sake of our discussion today. I doubt that they became that they had a uh, direct candidate. Was he part of the football pool? I mean, what the hell is it? I mean, it might be because of their cap situation. If it had been that way, because don't forget, while they're three and three right now, yeah, um, they are. They only have twelve thousand in cap space with Shane Pinto suspended. Is he still affecting the cap, though? Um, when you're when you're suspended, uh, I believe you do still hit the cap. Excellent. Um, but his cap hit is still is still under a million. Oh, okay. Um, they do, however, have Thomas Shabbat on long-term injured reserve at eight million. Ah. And they have retained dead cap. For 1.5 for Matt Murray, and then buyout <laughs> history of three, the, three and a half for Matt. Bobby Ryan, Colin White, <clears throat> Michael Delzato. Matt Murray is the gift that keeps on giving, I'll tell you. <laughs> Two of those go away this year, uh, or after the end of the season. Uh, but at some point, they're going to have to find a way to get cap compliant in order to bring um Shabbat back because there's literally no way in the universe that you're going to play Travis Amonic, Jake Sanderson, Tyler Clevin, Nicholas uh, Mantipalo, or Jacob Bernard Docker and let uh Thomas Shabbat linger on uh on uh injured reserve. If they are 
going to take the position, real or feigned, at some point that it might be better for Shane to have a fresh start somewhere else That's and include a trade package as they attempt to get cap compliant. Um, I mean, his million dollars, his, his, his cap hit is not going to. It's not going to change significantly affect whether they can bring back Thomas Shavad or not, but. But they're still going to have to find a way to do it. They're not trading Josh Norris. They're certainly not trading Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla. Tim Stutzla is there as long as it basically forever. Yeah. Uh, which means that they're the guys they are going to have to trade are probably include like Tarasenko, assuming they can get, they can find a team on his uh, trade list. Cause he does have that NTC. Yes. Um, actually, I don't see that there's even, it might just be a full no trade clause, which would be ugly. Um, Drake Batherton. I don't know that they're going to try and move him. But they they are going to have to do something in order to get him back. Uh, you yeah, bag, you can buy a bag of pucks with their cap space. <laughs> Only if they're not autographed. <laughs> yeah. You going to uh, trade Claude Giroux? I don't think you can trade Claude Giroux. He's got a no movement. Oh, he's got a full no movement, yeah. Um, Tarasenko's got a full no trade. I mean, you can either blow those up are, or those, <laughs> those are the only blow up your youth or ask one of the old guys to waive their no movement. And <laughs> yeah. And while there's a new ownership in town, you know, you look at Claude Giroux, you have no reason to move him. Unless he suddenly says, I want to go to a cup contender this year, which they're probably not. But if the if he is willing to move it. Now is the time to ask him. He had 79 points in 82 games last year at 30 and a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, 35. He'll be 36 in January 12th. How is he starting this year? Two, six, and eight. uh, Two, two, six, and eight in eight games. Mm -hmm. He's at almost 36 years old. He's playing point-per-game hockey. Again. Um, okay. Like if you're a cup contender, I'm not, you have, you have to think about it. Yeah. You would have to think about it. If Dorian calls you up and says, you don't want to, and DJ is going to throw a fit, but you know, we need to be able to put we need to be able to put Shabbat back on the ice. Um, Giroux's available. And, and I just I don't. I'm still trying to wrap my head around Shane Pinto. The, the, oh, I, I think it's I think it's absolutely bonkers. And and the and the quote from the the quote from the team just bothers me even more. Shane is a valued member of our hockey club, an engaging, intelligent young man who made poor decisions that have resulted in a suspension by the National Hockey League. We know he is remorseful for his mistakes. 
Senators fully support the NHL's rules on gambling. Yep. While saddened to learn of this issue, the entire organization remains committed to Shane and will work together to do what is necessary to help provide the support to allow him to address his issues and become a strong contributor to our community. I mean, they're making it sound like he's got a problem for one. That's that's what I'm saying. They making whether it's whether this is a boneheaded 22 year old thing to do in violating the rules or not. The senator's statement makes it sound to my ears and possibly to yours. Like he has a legitimate and serious, like clinically significant gambling problem. Yes. And. But I've seen no evidence to support. And and granted, he's not. It's not on him to come out and say, "Look, I have a, I, I have a gambling addiction." It's not. It's not anybody else's. But there's been no evidence. They said it, he's not gambling on hockey. Yes. There's no evidence that he's gambling on hockey. He's just gambling elsewhere. Is he gambling on sports? Is he gambling at a casino? Is he gambling online? Is he playing? Is he playing online on the World Poker Tour? I mean, what is? You make it sound like this this kid who's 22 has a gambling addiction, and I don't know. I just I think that they're taking liberties in the press, and I don't like it. And I don't like the rule about you can't. Fine, you can't gamble on the NHL. I get it. You can't get you know that that Pete part Rose makes sense. Like I support that part. I support that. Yes, don't gamble on the sport you're playing in because uh, it could be a problem. I I I don't get it. And yeah, I don't like their statement. I don't like the way it's worded. It it totally buries Shane Pinto. Yes, and I I think that that's. Probably even worse than what's going on with Jonathan Druin out in uh, in Colorado. I mean, lots of NHL players start slowly. The thing is, if he really does have a gambling problem, they're not helping him by doing that. But I mean, just to take it to the logical conclusion. Yes. It doesn't say that he's suspended without pay. It may not – I don't care whether he is or he isn't, but by suspending him 41 games and having him not practicing, not playing, not traveling, away from the guys, away from the training staff, away from the coaches, what's he going to do with his time? At 22 years old, is he going to spend all of that time traveling to museums and, uh, you know, uh, museums and going to nature preserves? I'm I'm guessing not. Golly gee willikers, is he going to take his free time and go gamble? (laughs) I mean, that's that seems to be more likely. I don't know. You threw the kid on the I'd, I'd, I'd rather move on to Jonathan Drunk because I'm just going to sit here and slam Ottawa. And I don't like slamming Ottawa because they're doing a really good job rebuilding this team. And Pierre Dorian's doing a good job. And, and I would and love now, to know and who now this. this release. And I would love to know who 
who approved the release. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe he's just going to spend all of the next, I don't know, four months until he's allowed to play again, playing golf. Um, maybe he'll go back to North Dakota and enroll for a semester um, and work towards finishing his degree. And say, did he finish his degree? Yeah, he could do that. He was only there two years. I'm, the math says probably not. Yeah, good call. Um, I I just don't get it. Nope. But Jonathan Druin. Yes. Talk of the preseason, reuniting him with uh, Nathan McKinnon. And, oh, my God, this is going to be special magic. Yada, 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 yada. Lots more yadas we don't have time for. We talked about yada, yada, yada back when he was – he signed there or traded there or however he got there. Or yeah. We, ta- he, we talked he about there. It. We talked about it. Uh, I would say about eight, 10 episodes ago. Yeah. And I was excited. I really hoped that he was going to get to play with McKinnon and reestablish the magic. Um, Is he playing for with me? When you're talking about an NHL team, and players who literally have not played together in a decade. Um, if you genuinely hope for the chemistry to reassert itself and you're trying to win for the long haul, it seems like seven or eight games is a little bit hasty to go ahead and make the jump uh, to move someone, unless they're playing abysmally off of out of that sort of pairing, um, is the t- I mean, if reasons that are acceptable for this guy is doing dumb stuff off the ice or in practice, mm-hmm. the guy is terrible on the ice uh, during games, or you're a team that should be doing well but is floundering. Have you looked at the standings lately? Uh, not really. I know that like the Bruins are in first in the Atlantic and the Red Wings are in second, which is, again, a little bit of a surprise. But Well, I've looked at the standings lately, including at this very moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colorado Avalanche play in the Central Division with the Minnesota Wild, the Coyotes, the Stars, and, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. Um, Colorado Avalanche are six and one and lead the central division. They have 12 points and eight, five, seven points percentage. Um, goal differential is a plus 12 through seven games. So they're not winning games, winning tight games. They're winning by basically two goals a game. Um, this feels like an overreaction and maybe one shouldn't jump up and down on the panic button yet. Maybe. No. Maybe. Panic. I mean, let's just for the giggles, panic. do the math on the plus on the goal differential for the other seven teams in the, in the central division. I'll let you do the math while I call out the numbers. Okay. Right? Um, yeah, go ahead. 
Dallas Stars plus two. Okay. Winnipeg Jets minus one. Okay. Nashville Predators plus two. Minnesota Wild minus five. St. Louis Blues minus six. Arizona Coyotes flat even. Chicago Blackhawks minus six. Okay. So all of the teams that you just listed are combined minus 14. So a minus 14 as a division, minus your, uh, without including yourself, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Yes. The, the division. Plus 12. <laughs> yes. I do not claim to be a hyperphysicist, the world's greatest mathematician, or even the top 1 billion mathematicians on the planet. But I'm going to say that given my knowledge of hockey, my years and years of devoted following of my beloved sport, that all of that adds up to not many contenders for the top of the division at the end of the year. Okay. So save your button pushing for when the team actually begins to struggle because all teams have slumps. But it when says- they don't have slumps, they get hit in the face once in the playoffs fall down and never get back up. But it it says right here in allhabs.com, it says right here, obviously he seems happy with his new team. However, the honeymoon phase appears to be over. Duran had several opportunities to shine on the first line with elite players in addition to quality time on the power play. It says right there, even though it's only in a matter of seven games, <laughs> Look, Zidane or less, because I don't know when they moved him. Zidane Chara going into the Hall of Fame someday soon. Yeah, he was a slow starter offensively. Yeah, um, but you comparing Mark a defenseman Sa- to an up forward, that's the, a little bit difficult to do. But Mark okay. Savard, slow starter offensively. It takes him some. It does say that Druen. It takes him some time to get going, and his head coach has had enough. Jared Bednar. What are you doing? He's not um, on the third Michael line. Michael Ryder, multiple time, 30 goal scorer. Yeah, I don't like Michael Ryder anyway, but okay. <laughs> Slow starter. He was. They promoted Thomas Tatar to the second line. Seriously? I'm, I am, again, not in the top 10% uh, of the world in terms of Thomas Tatar fans. But Tatar has had a couple of good seasons. If you're whether you're doing it because you think it's the best thing for the club in in the moment in terms of creating offense, or you're doing it simply to rile up Druin, um, I don't think that's the I don't think that's the way to handle this situation though. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's be honest. Jonathan Druin has zero goals and one assist through seven games. Okay. Thomas Tatar is very clearly wildly better with zero goals also through seven games. Oh, wow. I could see why they promoted Tatar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, you look at you look at the rest of the stat line. Yes, Tatar has four assists to Druin's one. But Druin is at least a plus one while on the same team Tatar is a minus one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, just seriously, folks, I, I, I think- understand that. I completely understand that the Avalanche want to not only be back in the playoffs. I just don't know what this. I don't know what this very clear message is. The very clear message is you make a mistake with shoving you in the press box. Yeah, yeah. The very clear message is what that because you haven't put the puck in the net. You're you're not getting. I mean, it's been seven games. You're not even ten percent of the season done. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying give him 40 games, but no, seven. That would be that would not be reasonable. But seven. It's, well, if if he's a slow starter, I'd, it, not all of us can be Frank Petrano. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. You're trying to. If we're going to go and be really, really, really cynical about this, mm-hmm. it should be noted that Jared Bednar is on the final year of his current contract, and his new contract, which kicks in next season, yes, or three years, ooh, three years, more than doubles his salary. Wow. Um, if he's worried about, does it more than double his, um, jeopardy? If he's worried about making sure that he's still there for the start of his contract, maybe that's making him a little bit hasty. He's six, one and (laughs) oh, I understand that you understand that. But he's the head coach. How does he not understand that? (laughs) Maybe he's trying to future-proof. Maybe he's trying to future-proof against that playoff collapse. Yes, 6-1-0. They're collapsing. Blow it up. Start over. Definitely blow it up. And and while you're at it, yeah, um, find someplace you can trade Nathan McKinnon. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, like Boston. Twelve and a half million a year. Yes, retain fifty percent of his salary, trade him to Boston, and yeah. be done with it. We'll even take we'll even take Drew in with him. Oh my goodness, this is I I don't I, I don't get John uh, Jared Bednar. I I used to think wow you know, and I still do to a point. I mean, he, he decent head coach. He, he had the team going in the right direction. He's had them going in the right direction for a while. And then you go and do something like this where you're freaking out because in seven games, the guy hasn't scored a goal. <sighs> yeah, no, no. And no. And no. Again. And also no. Just in case you were wondering, yeah. Hey, no. uh, while we're in the neighborhood of things to uh, we find odd and outstanding and mm-hmm. that may not uh, may not be entirely congruous. Um, one of the topics for the day uh, sort of reminds me of a certain street in New York where there's a really tall yellow guy and a guy who eats a little a few too many carbs Big and another guy who likes to be tickled. Um, Tickle me Elmo? Sesame Street? And am I, am I missing pop- something? 
Yes. Looking at the top six uh, <laughs> scorers in the league today, as of right now, um, one of these things is not like the others. Uh, one of these things is not isn't the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that song. Sure. I watched Sesame Street as a kid. Who didn't? When you look at the top six scores and right now and we're going by points percentage um, or points percentage or points per game. Mm-hmm. You've got Jack Hughes, Miko Rantanen, Dylan Larkin, Elias Pettersson, David Pasternak, and some guy named McDavid. Yeah, All that's one point six points per game or more. Um, as of right now, ten twenty nine. Okay. Christmas Day. Which of these guys isn't even in the top 10 in scoring anymore? Assuming all six are still healthy. Which of these guys isn't in the top 10? Yeah. Come Christmas? Mm. Which of these guys isn't in the top 10? In points per game scoring or in In total points per game or total points at Christmas and at the end of the season? Uh, you know, there's only one answer you can give. There's only one answer I would give. Yeah, Connor McDavid, you're right. That's my number two. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your number one answer then that won't be in the top ten? I don't think Dylan Larkin is still in the top ten at either of those days. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. And you know I'm not wrong. He's having a season. The, the 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 Red Wings are having a season. He's having a nine games. He's having a nine games. Okay. He's he averaging one point. Any of the other guys in the top six? He's got fifteen points in nine games. Which, while remarkable, and he's a plus four. Is is weird is almost unnoticeable when you put it next to Jack Hughes, who nobody is talking about, who had a breakthrough playoff event and is currently playing at 2.57 points yeah, per game. That's that's certainly sustainable. <laughs> I mean, Gretzky's, I think Gretzky's uh, highest points per game was around 2.11 or something like that. So, yes, the being four tenths of a point per game ahead of Gretzky through seven games with much better goaltending than Gretzky ever faced. Um, yes, definitely sustainable, but absolutely fantastic to watch. I will. I will say, and he's not the only one. You, 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 you pick on Dylan Larkin because he's a Red Wing. I know this. No, I pick on Dylan Larkin because he's I got. Have, I have never had confidence in him as a super elite player, like that one percenter, that top ten in the league. Anything. I. I. I will agree on uh, for one reason, and that's the fact that his points are not coming at even strength. He's got nothing as far as shorthanded points. Ten of his 15 points are on the power play. 
So unless they continue to get massive amounts of power play opportunities and they continue to reap the benefits and produce on said power plays, he's not going because five out of, I mean, one, only one thirty of points are coming at even strength and he's got literally one even strength goal of his, I mean, 25%. The other three are on the power play. Uh, no. That being said, Jack Hughes, who has 18 points, almost uh, more than half of his have also come on the power play. 10 out of the 18, where he's got three power play goals out of his five. Where if we look at Elias Patterson, eight games played, only one goal. Um, no, he's only two six, goals. Uh, two goals. Uh, only six of his 13 points have come on the power play. So he's oh. almost a point per game at even strength. Seven, seven even strength points in eight games. Yes. So that's, I mean, that, that what I'm that's, saying is where Dylan Larkin, nine games, he's only got five even strength points. If his power play time or his, if the power play dries up, Dylan Larkin is certainly going to drop off that list. So yes, in that instance, or under those circumstances, I do agree with you. Is he capable of maintaining top 10 status? I think he is. I think it helps. And I don't know if I'm assuming he plays on a line with um, DeBrinket, which is oh, why he's got, is having a season himself, which is why he's got or nine assists. DeBrinket's got nine goals in nine games. Another Vitrano, except that DeBrinket shown that he does it on a more regular basis. And also knows how to pass. Yes. Yes, he does. And remembers to. <laughs> the thing is that of the 13 points DeBrinket has, eight of them are even strength. 15 for Dylan, five even strength. So DeBrinket can score even strength and on power play. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Just to that, complete the analysis, um, we're looking at Pasternak's numbers. Uh, he has he has just four of his 13 points on the power play. And only one power play goal. Yeah. The uh, shooting percentage of 20 <laughs> might shoot. not be sustainable, but it's not actually a broken number. Because if you look at the 1920 season where he had 48 goals in 70 games before they canned the season. Yes. He had a 17.2 shooting percentage that year and a 16.2 the year before. Um, last season's shooting percentage was 15. Um, and his... Go ahead. No, I was just thinking 20, 20. I don't know if it's necessarily sustainable, but it, like you said, it's not. It's not pie in the sky either. I mean, you look at Jesper Bratt, twenty-six point seven, two one player below, one uh, two players below him, twenty-six point seven, because he's got four goals and he's only taken twenty-three shots. I, I don't think that for him twenty is, it, and and it might be sustainable. I don't know. I, I I think that it might be a little high. I think if he falls back to like seventeen, sixteen percent, but twenty is not unreasonable. Whereas no, I mean, 30% having, for DeBrinket, uh, 
might be a little pie in the sky. <laughs> um, I mean, Pedersen's shooting percentage is... 13. Pedersen's shooting percentage is actually slight, like three points low for him. But, he, I mean, yes, he's very assist-heavy this year. Um, yes, he is. Um, for Larkin, he's shooting above average for him, but not broken above average. You know, his career is 10.4. He's 11.8. That's certainly sustainable. I mean, last year he was at 13.1. The year before that he was at 14.6. Um, it might keep scoring goals at this rate. I don't know about... Yeah, I think I think yes. Dylan Larkin is. Uh, I don't like admitting it because then you lord it, but yes, Dylan Larkin is probably the one that would fall out of the top six. Don't worry, Chris. I ignore your wrong opinions. I know you do. I know you do. You ignore my right opinions as well. So. Well, when you have one, I will. I will make note of it. Ah uh, ha ha! You are funny today. Um, Adam Johnson, you wanted to talk about Adam Johnson. Let's talk about Adam Johnson. Well, Adam Johnson did not play a lot of time in the NHL. In fact, I believe his total is a whopping like 19 games in the NHL, 14 games, something to that effect. Yep. Uh, all for the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. He went to school two years in Minnesota. He has a total of one goal in the NHL, and he scored it against the Minnesota Wild. He currently, well, he was playing in the EI, the 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 European Hockey League in in England, the England English Hockey League. He suffered a cut on his neck from a skate, and they couldn't save him. He has passed away. And it's sad because he's got a lot of followers. It's sad that that an NHL player has died. It's sad that Adam Johnson has died. Our condolences, our best, our wishes, our, our prayers go out to the Johnson family. It's bringing up the thing that I'm reading in all of this, though, is that it's bringing to light an argument that I, to be honest, hadn't even heard of and didn't even know they existed. Apparently, there are neck guards that are available that other player that players don't wear. Uh, parents are forcing their kids to wear them. Uh, apparently, I've never even seen one. I don't know what they look like. But I've heard of them. Their concern. The concern now is that the NHL is going to see this and suddenly start requiring players to wear neck guards. Here's my take on it. Um, given the fact that I can literally only think of one other neck injury from a skate to another player, and that was Clint Malarchuk, the goaltender. Yeah, 25 years ago. I think that requiring them. 1989. Yeah, requiring them, probably a stretch. I think putting some money into researching ways to make them so that they 
create additional heat um, and still provide some protection. That I think is worth doing because if you're going to put this next protection on there and it's going to cause players less uh, less visibility, less ability to see the puck, their skates, the ice, other players, you're going to be shifting injuries, injury causes from one category to another and not actually dropping them, which should be the goal. Um, I think that they're probably going to become a, a – I think there's going to be conversations around it, but I mean – how many NHL games have been played? And this was not an NHL game. This was. Uh, this is in the EIHL. It was played between the Sheffield. Uh, Sheffield and Nottingham, yes. Sheffield and Nottingham. Thank you, Nottingham. Um, and it, it wasn't. The, you know, the main reason I brought this up was because of the cut that Jacob Lauko sustained in the last game above his eye. And I was watching, and the way the player kind of kicked his skate up, it was tough. I, I got a little offended at the beginning, at the at the start of the play, because I thought he did it on purpose. I, I don't think that any player is actually trying to cut another player. But it just, the way it looked, it looked bad. But I, I don't want to ever think that an NHL player is purposely trying to cut another NHL player. I, it just, no. It looked bad. But I was looking up to see where you know he was injury wise you know was he out for a set lunge of time and this story popped up and it, it it's horrible because yes it made me think of clint malarchuk and clint actually suffered ptsd from the injury and didn't play much longer richard zednick is another one that comes to mind he got his he his carotid artery was cut but he actually returned to play hockey after his injury um, I just, maybe actually the uh, that in that one you were talking about. Yeah, Clint Malachuk was way back in '89. Was the other one? The other one was Richard Zednick. I actually remember. He was playing for the Panthers at the time. I know that he played time, and I know that Zednick played time with Canadians as well. But he was with the Panthers when this one happened. It's it, it it sucks to see this happen and uh, Richard Zednick's uh, throat uh, throat injury was in 2008 February yes of 2008 that's 18 years ago times <clears throat> there were 30 NHL games uh, 30 NHL teams you're talking less than one in ten thousand games how many. How many shifts is that? Like, how many shifts by players? You're talking, so 10 shifts, uh, 10 players times. Uh, it's, you're into lottery. You Like, you're into lottery odds of this injury. Yes. I completely agree. But it has, when I started looking up this one and, and looking up, because I didn't I don't even remember Adam Johnson. I hate to admit it, but I don't remember him. He did not play a whole lot of time in the NHL. But when I read this and I started looking up 
for more information and I started seeing articles about neck guards and how the NHL is going might start taking a look at this and and with Lauko's cut above his eye and this and like at well, what point Lauko's cut above the eye they already have face scouts right I, I think that if you're we've all heard the argument eight thousand times about the about the got the full face shields limiting visibility at the speed the NHL has played, I think that well, I think they're more of a hindrance. I mean, if you ask ask Zdeno Chara, he came out with a full face guard when they broke it when his jaw got broken in the playoffs, and the first thing he said was, "Whenever I look down, the curvature of the the Lexan or whatever yep. it's made from, it completely threw off his his peripheral vision and it, trying to figure out where the puck was in his feet because it wasn't on his stick because he couldn't see it." It was affecting his ability to play his position. So yeah, I kind of I understand the whole concept of the full face shield being detrimental. Uh, if you wear the bird cage, less detrimental, but it still affects performance. There's no Lexan to affect the curve, but it's a more solid piece at the bottom near the jaw. So when you look down, there's that solid piece that's going to block your vision. It, it, it's not a per- none of them are none of them are a perfect solution. I just I, I mean, don't I don't know that I want to see them start implementing more equipment on these players. They I understand I, the need to be safe, but I I, I think that given the odds that we're talking about that this needs to remain a player's choice until they get something that I think this needs to remain a player's choice um, that's on yeah like realistically given given the technology that we're seeing in material science over the last few years there may become there may come a point where you can make, you know, the jerseys something closer to a turtleneck with a useful collar that's going to hit the bottom of the chin and stay stiff enough to stay up in most situations, but not cause breathing and vision issues and neck mobility issues that's that should be the goal is if you're going to provide more protection don't shift risk to another place um i i just can't i've watched i mean I think between the two of us we have to have watched many thousand hockey games many thousands of um, I, I can't yeah. even calculate the number. No, I, th- I think it's incalculable. And again, in my entire life, I've seen two neck to skate injuries. Uh, yeah, I, 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 my personal, my personal opinion, and I understand with the little kids, you know, safe, safer is always better. You get to the you get to the age of adults, uh, and and I think it needs to become a personal choice. You're used to playing with or without it. I also think that too much equipment can 
too much equipment can be a bad thing because you're hindrance you're hindering body movement you're hindering the ability to avoid say a nasty check or a hit to the head or avoid you know swiveling your head around to avoid a skate you know when you're stuck in a scrum or, or on in a pile i think that too much equipment can be limiting and can add to the possibility of injury so i i'm sorry I, yeah, that this happened it. but i think that i'm sorry that this happened but i think that the nhl needs to slow their roll if they are really going to look into this um and don't worry as soon as they as soon as they launch i'm sure there will be uh sponsored uh space on there You'll be uh, looking at armored neck goiters uh, sponsored by <laughs> sponsored by your local hardware store and some health insurance company. Won't that be special? No, oh, yeah. Um, from that controversy to a local one. A local one. Ooh, okay. A local one in the brewing. Have you looked at the stats for the Boston Bruins today? You know I have because he's my guy. Come on now. Right now today, the question needs to be asked. Who's the number one goaltender for Boston? It doesn't need to be asked. The answer is Linus Olmark. Then why does the other guy have a markedly better save percentage, a shutout, and a better goals against average? Those are like the three categories. And the other guy is also undefeated. Oh, okay. They played the same number of games. They played behind the same defense. Mm-hmm. Because in one particular in one game in particular, the team decided that mm, they didn't want to play the rest of the game. They played fifty-five out of a sixty minute hockey game in which they weren't handling it well to begin with from the, from the outset, but they had a three to one lead and then they decided that it was time to take the rest of the night off. Don't worry. Linus will save us. He tried. So in the one game where Linus allowed more than one goal, his save percentage slipped to a paltry 9.37. That's still not as good as the other guy. Yeah. I mean, a 9.57, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty snazzy save percentage. It is a pretty snazzy save percentage, and I've got nothing against Jeremy Swayman. And he's going to be the number one. you do have something against Jeremy Swayman. He's going to be the number one in Boston when they end up trading Linus Olmark because you know they will because they're not going to trade the younger guy. They're going to trade the older guy who has a Vesna to his name and who was the triple crown winner in the NHL for most wins, best save percentage, best goals against average last year. Um and then Jeremy Swayman can be number one, and Brandon Bossy will be number two, and, and everything will be right in your world. I don't know what people have. I don't know what the Boston fans have against Linus Omar. Did I say anything against Linus Omar? All I, just, all I said 
All all I said was that he's you've been his trying are not as good as the other one. You're getting been, pretty defensive there, Mr. Dickerat's fan. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Who's the one that suggested they trade it? Yeah, that was me. Thank you very much. Making people cry. Yeah, that was me. Linus Olmark is and, – and if you ask the Boston Bruins, they don't have a number one. If you ask Jim Montgomery, he's not playing them as a number one or number two. In fact, Jeremy Swayman, who got his shutout, did not even start the next game. Montgomery is clearly playing them. Every other game is the other guy's game. Typically, when a goaltender gets a shutout, the coach usually plays him again and again to keep the shutout streak going, see how long it can go, gives them the opportunity to extend that streak. Montgomery didn't do that here. He played Olmark in his regular expected on his regular expected night. So they're not even playing them as a one and a two. It's tough to say who's the number one. Yeah, Omar, to me, is the number one. You're paying him like the number one, although Swayman did get his one-year contract that gave him a raise. I think that all of that's going to come to – all of those chickens are going to come to roost, and they're either going to have to trade Omar at the end of this season prior to the draft, or they're going to have to trade him next year at the trade deadline because – they're not going to be able to re-sign him for the type of money that they would expect and give Swayman a larger contract for more money. You're not going to be able to pay both of them $6 million a year. And to be honest, Allmark making five a year, six is not really a raise for him. You know, he would be looking somewhere north of seven. I mean, how's he going to justify seven when he's not even playing better than the other guy, though? Yeah, but he is playing equal to the other guy, so there you go. Uh, is he really? Is he really, though? He's – yeah, I know. I know. He's terrible. He's played more minutes, but that's all right. Yes, and look at what he's done with those minutes. Yeah, the team gave up on him and left him high and dry, kind of like they did with Malcolm Subban, kind of like they did with Dan Vladar. Yeah. Look, just because he didn't feel the feel uh, it was sensible to stop the action, you know, knock his helmet off and make a strategic play like a veteran, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm. Playing like somebody with I don't know morals and a conscience, yeah. Mm. Why would he knock his helmet off? I don't know. Hey, look, sometimes you have to think of the team ahead of yourself. <laughs> so is there a goal? But seriously, is there a goalie? Con- I haven't read anything in the press about a goalie controversy. But then again, oh, wait, we've already discussed this. We're only eight games into the season. Everybody stop hitting the button. They've got one overtime loss. They've got points in every game they've played this season, something that hasn't been done since 1937-38. What are you getting at? I'm getting at there's nothing to panic about. They're still in first place. There's still a higher plus minus than the Colorado Avalanche because they got a plus 14. So they're still outscoring their opponents. The only thing I would have to concern myself with is the fact that they really haven't played top-tier talent yet. We'll they find out. Played, 
anyone good this year. We'll find out more about them come Tuesday when they play Florida and then Thursday when they play Toronto. Like this week will tell us more about the Bruins than any than anything we've seen so far this week. I am still worried about their non-ability to win playoff uh, to win faceoffs, and with two rookies on the team, that's not necessarily surprising. I don't know. Saka, Beach has got fifty-three percent weight faceoff percentage, which is which is awesome. Like if he keeps that up, he's absolutely never playing in the NA, in the AHL again. Um, he will be a he will stick himself and earn and hold on to a uh, onto a bottom six roster spot for years. Although I noticed last night that when they put him up on the board mm-hmm. uh, on the screen, um, he was playing at left wing and he was, not he, taking faceoffs. They actually have been. They actually played him at wing and supposedly. Supposedly the next game, there's something about him playing wing. I heard or read something, uh, or maybe it was after the Anaheim game where they said in, in the Detroit game they were going to play him at wing as well. I don't understand that. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else is on his who else is on his line. Maybe Jared Bednar is the secret coach of the Boston Bruins. Possibly. I I think Jim Montgomery is a better coach than Jared Bednar, but okay. I do like his interaction with the players in the locker room when they show us the little snippets. And then at that point, I'm sure he knows that he's on camera. So, but I can't imagine that he changes his personality that much between on and off camera. Uh, I don't know about that. We used to see Lucic go really dumb on camera when he was being interviewed in his first like three years here. (laughs) Yeah, but that was his first three years. Um, and then, you know, you'd hear him mid-game talking like he was – like he'd been behind the bench for three or four years and not <laughs> on the bench for a couple of years. So he was playing stupid and then he was not stupid. Okay. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. If the, I don't think there's a goalie controversy yet. You, you, you give me another ten games and – Swayman is pulled away or Linus has lost two or three and Swayman's still only lost none or one and their save percentages are still drastically different than then talk to me. But I think oh, so right, you admit it is a drastic difference. That's very big of you. Well, it's two tenths of it's one save in every five shots. So no one save in every 20 shots because it's two hundredths. That's my point. Relax. Okay. I, I, all I did was point out what's happening. You know, you're the one who sounds upset because you're the one that has not liked Linus Omar since they signed him, along with every other Bruins fan out there. And I'm pretty I, sure I, I, I waved the Linus. I, I just like Omar. I've waved the Linus flag since the day they signed him and told everybody what a good signing it was and everybody freaked out about well look at played for Pablo they suck um, yeah have you seen a save percentage on a bad team 917 save percentage on a bad team okay so speaking of Boston Bruins what the hell is Buffalo doing to our Cliffy I don't know maybe it's the fact that there's nothing to do in Buffalo that's getting to him 
I'm sorry. He did. He would hit people in in Boston, and he was physical, and it was expected, and he loved it. And now all of a sudden he goes to Buffalo and he's getting a two game suspension. Maybe he really, really, really wanted to take a vacation outside of Buffalo. Um, maybe he needed a couple of days off. I don't know, but I watched this video a couple of times and I watched the dopes video. <laughs> and we know who yes. the dopes are the department of player safety and they love to go. He does this and he does that. But how many different angles of the video have you looked at? Because apparently there's an angle that we're not seeing that shows that the initial point of contact is actually the shoulder and not the head. I'm not defending Connor Clifton. I'm just saying you need to look at all the angles. It certainly looks like he hits him in the head. It certainly looks like he could have avoided the hit if he twisted himself or did something different or just skated away from him but oh wait hockey is a fast game and they don't happen in slow motion so you're not defending him but you're coming up with excuses for him absolutely no i i i I just i think that they gave him a they gave him a match penalty so he's thrown out of this one and it was four minutes into i believe the second period or was it four minutes left in the second period? If you, Almost irrelevant. Uh, I just, I think that, I, I don't know, I think that the fact that he's never been suspended, he's played 240 games in the league and he's done it right. He's got no suspensions. He's got no fines on his, on his resume. I think that one game would have been enough. I think that two might have been a little too far. That's all I'm saying. Well, you, you have to remember he's getting the extra game for having played with Brad Marchand. Oh, this is the Marshawn butterfly effect. Yes. I was not aware of that. I didn't know there was a Marshawn butterfly effect. Well, now you know. This is good. I did not know that. See, I learned something new every day. The Marshawn butterfly effect. I'm going to have to look that up and see if it's like in the science community or something. Um, you, you have to go deep into the analytics community. Um, it might be one of the paid analytics communities, so you may not see it. Paid analytics communities. Okay. I yeah. didn't realize you had to pay for analytics. Uh, oh, maybe I've said too much. What analytics do you have to pay for? Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't continue on that topic. Um, okay. DARPA. Uh, I don't know who DARPA is. That's like commenting on whether the government has mind control. Okay. So, yes, the Department of Player Safety has issued him a two-game suspension. I don't like it. I think one should have been enough, but, A, I don't get to make those determinations. Did you see the hit? Have you watched the video? Have you? I watched the video. Um, Do you have an opinion? The video says, yeah, suspension. Really? The video says suspension. Like it's very clear that from the from the video, not speculation of additional angles, but very clear from what we see that as much as I like Connor Clifton, and it's a lot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He deserves a whack on the nose for this one. Do you believe there was intent to injure? I don't know. 
Um, it was intent to injure. I don't think he's trying to hurt Ishii. I think he hits him wrong. Could he have turned? Could he have turned uh, a little less and and got him in the shoulder? Possibly. It, but again, like I said, hockey's played at a relatively high speed. He probably didn't see, and maybe he did. I don't know. He sheer all he sheer did was tip the puck. The other the other issue seems to be the fact that he's hitting a man who didn't play the puck. All he sheer did was tip it forward into the zone so that they didn't get an ice. Touching call. the puck is touching the puck. He played the puck. Exactly. Having played hockey, yes. If you touch the puck, you've played the puck. <laughs> and Clifton was trying to slow him down. He's on the boards. He's in line. Clifton likes to finish his hits. End of story. But unfortunately, caught him a little too high. And I don't know. I just uh, watching it. I just thought the two games might have been a little much based on the fact that he doesn't have a resume of being a, a meathead. Meathead, yeah. Will he or won't he, though? Oh, wait. Wrong guy. Will he or won't he? Uh, unfortunately, that poll got accidentally deleted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I freely admit I was a disaster human all week. Um, so so are we redoing the um, <clears throat> the Kane by Turkey Day poll? We're going to have to redo the Cane by Turkey Day poll. Um, and we're also going to run a second poll later in the week. Or maybe we'll run both of them at the same time. It might be fun to run both of them at the same time. Okay. Um, earlier, before before the season kicked off, we talked about Jason Robertson a bit. <laughs> yeah, I might have mentioned him. <laughs> Once or twice. No, not me. Maybe even a third time. It would have been nice if he signed in Boston, but yeah, other than that, sure. Will he or won't he, and this is Jason Robertson, Okay. finish his contract in Dallas? I don't remember his contract, except that I know it's ridiculous. Well, ridiculous long, anyway. Um, I've got it here. Um, so Dallas Stars, Jason Robertson. Oh, it's not ridiculous long. It's no, three it's years. not. It's three it's years, seven and seven and three quarters million. Um, and then he's an RFA with arbitration rights. Yeah, he's finishing his he's finishing the contract. Well, let's let's just take a look at it. Okay. Right now, last year he went into camp unsigned. Everyone said, oh, no, he's going to have a bad year, a slow start, yada, yada, yada. He wasn't playing with the guys. He wasn't practicing with the guys. He didn't have any preseason games. Last year, what took them so long? That was me. Oh, wait. Yeah, Yeah, 46 goals, 63 points, 109 games, no noticeable slumps. This year, on the other hand? Wait, didn't have a preseason? No preseason. Yeah, exactly. Um, this year, on the other hand, mm-hmm. one goal, three assists through six games. He's not only under a point per game, he's significantly under a point per game. He's this is per game. 
excluding his excluding the three games that he played in the 1920 season, this is the worst points percentage of his career to date. Where he hasn't finished the season yet. He hasn't even finished 10% of the season yet. Worst percentage, worst points percentage of his career. In any six game span? Season by season. Oh, so this season hasn't ended yet. For a guy who played last season without a preseason to come in red hot. Um, but this year he did have a preseason. Maybe four, he's tired. four points through six games isn't exactly ice cold. Maybe he's but tired. But it's not, <laughs> it's not exactly the standard he set for himself. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I get what you're saying. I'm just trying and to. This is the second year of that massive new con. Well, of that weighty new contract. <laughs> massive? Weighty? Yeah. Um. There is no, there are no uh, restrictions on moving him. I don't. I, I mean, yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. Instead of asking the will he or won't he be moved, mm-hmm. will he or won't he uh, finish the season? With more, with 44 goals or more, which is roughly the average of his last two seasons. Ooh. The thing is, should I give my response to that or should I let everybody I think vote? We'll talk about that next week. I think everybody should vote first. Yes. Um, I think we're going to call that one the first poll, and I am going to. We can, re- we can redo the, the, the Kane poll as well. Yes, we'll redo the Patrick Kane poll, and both of them will be on my uh, profile at Puck Sage. Okay. Um, there is one more thing we do have to say goodbye to somebody. It's uh, uh, cue the boys to men. End of the road. I I do wish I was better at this and I could actually put sound effects in because I would. But apparently Joe has made it official. And that Joe being Jumbo Joe Thornton, who did it in typical Joe fashion, shirtless with a huge beard on Instagram, on, on Instagram or X or whatever social media on X. Given the size of his beard, is a shirt necessary most of the time? Actually, it's not as bad as it. It's not as long as it was previous. As I've seen, it's not as long as I've seen it before, but shirtless nonetheless. And Joe Thornton has officially retired from the NHL. Forty-four years old, played twenty-four seasons. Uh, number one overall pick in the '97 draft. Seventeen hundred fourteen games, fifteen hundred thirty-nine points. Art Ross Trophy back in 0506. Uh, he has led he has led San Jose to the playoffs and to the Stanley Cup final. Um, in fact, he had 1,055 points in 1,104 games with with San Jose. Is he a Hall of Famer? We've discussed this before, but now that he's called it officially called it a career. Is he all of him? I think he gets in. I don't think it's first ballot. 
I'd be inclined to agree. Um, I'd be inclined to agree, but I, I, I don't want to get deep into it. I mean, I want to thank Joe for 24 years of entertaining, fun-loving hockey. I mean, damn. Had 80 points in his in his in his season where he turned 36 years old. I mean, the guy has been a performer, playoff and otherwise. And yeah, I um, think he gets in, but I don't think it's first ballot. What perhaps the most interesting stat for Joe Thornton? Um, most career games played by a first overall selection. 1,714 NHL games. Um, Given the overall aggression with which teams play against uh, number one picks, is that a breakable record? We talked about Sidney Crosby last week, the week before. He's two games from his 1,200th NHL game at 36 to, years old. You'd have to play another three and a half seasons to get there. It's possible. I mean, Crosby's okay. contract is not not a forever contract, but he's got at least two more years on his contract, and he's not he hasn't yet fallen off a cliff or anything. I mean, he's got nine points in eight games this year um i don't think i don't think i don't think sydney's breaking it uh, crosby's contract yeah he's got this year and next year on his contract um evgeny malkin who he basically came in with has an additional season after that on his contract um as the and latang has latang's contract runs through the end of the 27-28 season. I'm sure that the now 36-year-old uh, Chris Letang, mm-hmm. um, who will be 37 April 24th, will play out that contract. And by sure, I mean I don't think so. Um, so they hung they hung Marlowe's number 12. That's that was the first number they've ever retired in San Jose in San Jose organization's history. Is 19 next? It, if it's not it's next or not, it's going to be there. It, it needs to not be there. It needs to be next. And yeah, no, it needs to be next. And if it's not, then somebody in the front office needs a smack upside the head. Um. Just to tie a bow tie on it for me, his 1,539 total points ranks 12th all time. Yeah. Out of the 11 players ahead of him, there's only one that's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't know if it's because he's still playing or because he hasn't officially retired, but the only one ahead of him that's not in the Hall of Fame is Yarme Yager. He has not officially retired. Um, And that's what I'm saying. It's pretty much a foregone conclusion that when he does, when he is eligible, he's going in. Oh, Yarmir Yager is absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer. So the 11 ahead of him are all in the Hall of Fame. 
Is that, that an argument? Is Joe that an Thornton argument is, for him? I guess is the question. Does that mean that Joe Thornton has now become the dividing line between who gets in and who doesn't? Wow, that's a tough dividing line too. Some people would say that it's no longer the hall of uh, that most sports hall of fames have become watered down. Um, I sit. I tend to think that most. Most of the people making that argument are either living in the past or just don't get the difference in errors between sports. I don't. But I don't I don't think the NHL's Hall of Fame is watered down because of the way because of the way they do it. Guys like Willie O'Ree, who should be there, not because of what they did on the ice. He didn't play a lot of games on the ice. But what he's done to affect the game of hockey, he clearly should be in the Hall of Fame. And now he is. So, no, I don't think the NHL Hall of Fame is watered down by players who really shouldn't be there because of the way they break it down. And some people go in as builders and some people go in as head coaches. And, okay, you know, this guy, Joe, Joe Blow over here, didn't cut it as a player, but as a head coach, he led five teams to Stanley Cups. And he's had players that have gone on to do this and that in their careers and the success that the organizations have. And they have ways of breaking it down so the people who belong there should be there and are there. And that's why I think that they do it right so does Joe become the dividing? And that's a tough dividing line. 1,539 points, 12th all time, but he doesn't have a Stanley Cup. And his one individual accolade is a is a is is a heart trophy back in 2005-6, along with some All Star appearances. It, I think he goes in. <laughs> But I, I, as I said, I, I will be surprised if it's a first ballot. I agree. Um, but his, num- his number needs to be next up in the rafters in San Jose. I can't think of anyone who's retired from the Sharks who would be more deserving um, in the past few years. Uh, so, yeah, get it done, folks. And that, hockey fans, is where we leave you. Have a great week. Share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, random people you meet on the street. Hand uh, hand a little piece of paper with the uh, show's Earl and name written on it to people you stand next to in line getting your vaccinations for the cough and flu season. Um, And we'll be back next week, uh, same place. Chris, looking forward to the hockey this week where we'll finally learn what the Bruins are all about. Have a great week, everybody.